0: And that's the news from RTHK. Good morning
1: and welcome to Back Chat with me, Jenny Lamb, and Janice Wong. Good morning, Janice. Good morning. So with today we're talking about air quality as hong kong returns to normalcy after the pandemic air pollution here is making a return also that's according to a study by clean air network which says the annual average concentration of ozone in the city reached a record high in 2023 roadside ozone concentration rose 32 percent last year and many other pollutants such as nitrogen dioxide pm10 and pm 2.5 also saw double digit percentage increases close to pre-pandemic levels back in 2019. So how is ozone created and what are the reasons for the record high ozone concentration? And how does the cold weather we're experiencing today, for example, affect ozone levels? And after 9.45am we'll be talking to the police about scams that target mainland students in Hong Kong. So let us know what you think. You can leave us a message on our Facebook page, email us at backchat at rthk.hk or call us on 233 266 That's 233 266 And joining us um, on the line this morning, we have Patrick Fung. He's the CEO of Clean Air Network. Good morning, Patrick. Hello. And also with us is Quentin Parker. He's a professor of astrophysics and director of the Laboratory for Space Research at the University of Hong Kong. Good morning, Professor Parker. Good morning. Good morning. Morning. So, uh, Patrick Fung, let's go to you first. Why are we getting these high ozone levels?
2: Um, we we are having this um, high level of ozone. It is quite high uh, since 2004. Uh, Hong Kong has been recording uh, level of ozone, and uh, we are having. Um, a almost 20 years high uh, at two, two, two three. and I think uh, there are multiple reasons uh, one would be um, the uh, precursor which is the uh, pollutant that form uh, ozone uh, has not been addressed so uh, we understand that the government is uh, conducting a study about it and uh, the administration has not been able to provide uh, an action plan to deal with the ozone precursor. Where well, is precursor, the precursor? What,
1: what what do you mean by precursor? What exactly are you talking about?
2: Well, I I, I could leave it more to uh, Professor Parker. But um, as far as I know, the precursor means, um, for example, the VOC uh, (volatile uh, organic compound) and then also the nitrogen oxide under the uh, under heat or sunlight. And then these precursor pollutants. Uh, uh, react and then form uh, the ozone in a chemical reaction. And then uh, with um, high level of uh, precursor, uh, especially VOC, uh, we would have a high level of ozone.
1: Right. Okay, Professor Parker, is that right? The precursor, the volatile organic um, compounds, they are not being addressed?
3: I mean, basically, yes. I mean, the volatile organic compounds or TVOCs come from several different sources in our environment, in our urban environment, in our industries, and they're mainly things like paints and solvents, road traffic, uh, exhausts, um, uh, because we don't have enough electric vehicles yet, you know, and other industries that that give out pollutants like uh, nitrous oxides, uh, which also come mainly from road traffic as well. And these are indeed the precursors which result in chemical reactions that produce O3, which is like oxygen, but a molecule that has three atoms of oxygen in it to create O3. Now, O3, ozone, why do we care about it? It's because it's an extremely reactive form of oxygen. It's extremely corrosive. And so for health, for public health, which is, I think, the major issue here, is that it can actually permanently scar your lung tissue. It attacks your lungs. It worsens bronchitis, emphysema, asthma, all these things. It can trigger a variety of health problems if there's too much. Ozone in our local atmosphere ground level.
0: right And uh, I mean, uh, this morning, uh, of course, we're, we're talking about air quality. And like uh, what uh, Jenny was saying, uh, if any of you listening, you, if you have any questions for our experts this morning, you can call us on 233 88266 or leave a message on our Facebook page or email us at packchat.rchk.hk. And uh, we have a, a comment here from Michael, one of our listeners. And uh, he says, uh, think on this. Traffic and industry in Hong Kong is pretty much constant. The wind isn't. When wind blows from the north or east, air quality sucks. No matter what we say or do in Hong Kong. Now you can continue your pontificating. I thought the ozone layer was depleted. What? Now we don't like ozone? And uh, that's uh, from Michael. I mean, before we continue with our discussion, uh, maybe uh, Professor Parker or um, do you think you can explain uh, the types of ozone? I mean, we're not talking about the ozone. Uh,
3: well, it's only one type of ozone. But then, but
0: then, I mean, but then that we're talking about ground level ozone. That is uh, what we're concerned about. Is, it, is that correct?
3: Yes, I mean, you know, there's ozone in, in the stratosphere, which is uh, about high up between 15 and, and 50 kilometers up. And the ozone there is extremely important because it absorbs UV light, UV radiation. And that UV radiation, if it wasn't for the ozone layer, would be extremely harmful to all life on Earth. You know, ozone um, uh, is the very... Uh, ultraviolet light can create skin cancers and destroy things because it's high-energy photons. So it's important that we have the protective ozone layer up in the stratosphere. Now, the stratosphere uh, is completely separated from uh, where we are uh, in, in the troposphere, the lowest level. Uh, and then there's like a, a stratification in temperature and conditions which make it very difficult for um, products like ozone to move from one to the other. So uh, the tropospheric um, uh, ozone that's local hopefully can be destroyed and removed through all sorts of controls. But the, what we have in the stratosphere is vital uh, to, to our life on Earth, and uh, right. protecting us from the harmful new beam.
1: Okay, and uh, you, you mentioned one way of reducing ground-level ozone. You mentioned maybe more EVs, more electric vehicles. What other ways to reduce um, ozone? Uh,
3: if you look over in, in Shenzhen, I mean, their entire public transport fleet, I think, became electric in 2019. I mean, yes, the, the previous uh, the comments about uh, the winds is vital. You know, it's nothing really to do with the temperature. In fact, in fact, ozone is more creative when there's more sunlight. So in the warmer months, typically in many countries, that's when you have more ozone created. There's the fact that there's ozone in winter is because of heating, and that creates a lot more pollutant when people are burning coal, for example, and also uh, the atmospheric conditions locally, at uh, ground level, there'll be less wind, and therefore there's no wind to blow the pollutants away. And so that's the correct comment from, the, from, the, from that uh, previous uh, uh, guest that was making those comments. So yes. It's, a, it's an interesting combination of factors that lead to higher levels of pollution at, at a given time in the year. And it's, uh, it's you know, but sunlight is really the, the basic uh, creator of the catalyst for uh, these uh, chemical reactions that you get.
0: All right. So, so, Mr. Fung, I mean, from what uh, mm-hmm. Professor Parker is saying, does it mean that uh, right now, I mean, over the past few days or a past day or two, uh, Hong Kong uh, is experiencing uh, lower levels or lower concentration of ozone because of uh, the weather we're experiencing? It's been cloudy, it's been cold. There's not much mm-hmm. sunlight.
2: Yeah, it, um, well, uh, we, we have to look at data. And, uh, but, but I think what's important is that the uh, overall long-term trend of the pollutant and what we um, uh, worry is that, uh, as mentioned, uh, since 2004, we are recording higher and higher levels of ozone and it, ha- it has not been addressed and uh, what we think um, there there would be a lot of implication, as mentioned, uh, on health. And then if we think um, ozone is only an outdoor problem, then um, maybe we have to think twice because the outdoor air pollutant, including ozone, would um, be infiltrated into indoor. So there would be a lot of uh, benefit if we are able to tackle the ozone. And um there, there, there are a lot of studies going on, especially from those um, uh, conducted by the government EPD. So they pledged to um, uh, provide a recommendation in early 2024. So we, we actually are very um, uh, keen to understand what is the uh, result of the finding, why, uh, what are the precursor pollutants and how um, the government plan to address these uh, pollutants.
1: Right, uh, Your study at uh, Clean Air Network found that the ozone levels are particularly high, you said, in the southern eastern and central and western districts that's practically the whole of Hong Kong Island um, Why? Why is it higher there? Um,
2: yeah, uh, That's an interesting finding uh, Over the past, uh, I, I think uh, uh, 8 to 10 years is uh, always the tap moon tap moon uh, on the um Kuan O, Sai Kung area uh, with the highest level of uh ozone. There there's hardly any uh vehicular traffic there. So uh it is a a, a good spot to um rec uh, to look at the regional uh ozone level. But then uh over the past I, I think three to five years the um the stations at uh, Hong Kong Island, say so the eastern and then the central and western and then since two oh two one the southern district starts to catch up. And then in this year what we see is that uh in two two three uh, the Southern District um, becomes uh, the highest uh, level of ozone among all 18 uh, stations in Hong Kong. We, we are not so sure why, uh, but then we, th- we think that uh, w- when we look at the rate of increase, the roadside uh, pollutant has actually um, uh, catch up uh, quite uh, fastly. There are, uh, For example, in Mong Kok Station, the rate of increase from year to year increase has reached around uh, 20- 47%. And then Causeway Bay is uh, 20% plus. And then for um, uh, Southern District, again, 28%, et cetera. So we we think there would be an interesting relationship uh, for vehicle traffic uh, as well as the um, uh, level of ozone at the roadside level.
0: All right. And uh, you've talked about uh, the, the health impact of ozone. Um, but um, in general, um, ca- how, how, can a, how can the public tell when ozone level is high or low? Can we see it or, or smell it? Is it in, like when we see smog, does that mean that ozone level is high? H- how can we tell?
4: Um,
2: so uh, we, we, we can look at a uh, 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 diurnal trend, which is the daily pattern of air pollution over a day. So typically, as mentioned by Professor um, uh, the sunlight and heat would be one of the factors. So when we look at the, the trend of ozone, usually in the afternoon, the, um, a- after uh, 12 noon, uh, the ozone would uh, accumulate to a certain level. Uh, but then for um, uh, general public, it's quite hard to uh, aware about that uh, using our senses. Uh, what we can rely on may be uh, actually the uh, government um, uh, air quality health index. Um, where everybody could download an app and then when ozone is high, uh, you, you can set an alarm for yourself. Uh, but then as far as I see, is that uh, when ozone or individual pollution is high in a particular district, the AQHI is not necessarily high. So, for example, when ozone level reach above 100 units, which is quite uh, harmful, uh, but then the AQHI is uh, usually at um, uh, uh, a moderate level, say at the band of five or six, which hardly uh, provide alert to people. For example, for schools, they only uh, would uh, pause uh, outdoor uh, PE lesson when AQHR reached seven or above. So this is something that I think the government would uh, also like to uh, uh, think about.
1: So you're saying that they need to update the Air Quality Health Index, yeah?
2: Indeed, it has been stated in the Clean Air Plan 2035, uh, launched uh, back in three years ago. So the government wanted to um, uh, uh also include the short- and long-term health in, impact into the, uh, you know, the formula algorithm for um, uh, developing the child. but we haven't seen anything so far.
1: Professor Parker, what are your thoughts? If we are to uh, update the Air Quality Health Index, What what should be done? How should it be done?
3: I mean the air quality index is a composite it looks at the variety of pollutants that uh, result in poor air quality not just ozone in fact carbon monoxide sulfur dioxide nitrous oxide uh, and particulates in particular you know 2.5 micron particulates and 10 micron particulates that get right into the lungs and stay there you know and some of these are carcinogenic of course and so we have you know an overall air quality index is meant to represent what is the overall quality of the air it doesn't uh, but if you go to the app and have a Look at it you see it does break down uh, this overall number into the various constituents from these uh, elements i'm talking about the carbon monoxide the o- ozone the particulates the nitrous oxide etc and it plots them as a function of time so you can actually have a look at them but yes if you just after a single number then the aqi is designed just to tell you the overall quality of the air in all in all those factors so it doesn't isolate Ozone. Now, ozone in particular is a very corrosive um, molecule of oxygen, and uh, and so uh, that is the issue. Is that these other things are very important too? Right. The particulates, and, you know, but. You know, we need to. You know, it could be that uh, you have a, a two, a two, a two-track index: one overall, and one maybe that specifies things like carbon monoxide and, and oxygen.
1: Okay. And ozone. Okay. So now we have a caller on the line, Mike, um, who
5: uh, is good, listening. Good and Mike.
1: Morning. Mike. Good morning, Mike.
5: Good morning to you. You know, I, I listen and um, I pay attention, and if something just struck me. Uh, I know electric motors. Create quite a bit of ozone, so I just went and Googled it. New studies suggest that electric cars create almost twice as much ozone per, per kilometer as cars powered by the conventional fossil fuels. Okay. So the idea that, oh, we need more electric cars to solve the ozone, to solve the ozone problems. Uh,
1: what is your What is the source of your information?
5: Uh, the source of my information is um, online library online at, at at Google. Just Google it. I see. Do electric cars produce ozone?
3: Do they, Does Professor o- Parker? Do they? Well, yes, they do. Um, but, you know, you've got to look at what else do uh, uh, petrol cars as opposed to electric cars produce. I mean, um, so uh, petrol cars also produce some ozone, half as much, but they also produce a, a large amount of particulates and uh, on, on carbon dioxide and other very harmful things. So, you know, if you look at the balance of what's better, an electric vehicle versus a, a petrol vehicle, you say, yes, electric vehicles have more ozone, but it has so much more of all these other things, which in some senses are a terrible pollutants and contribute to, uh, uh, you know, the greenhouse uh, gas and the climate change and everything that we have. So, you know, you've got to take a holistic view of everything. You can't just pick out the ozone and say, aha, the ozone is a problem. Therefore, you know, electric cars are the problem. It's not simple as that. You've got to look at the overall pollution that each vehicle creates. Yes, electric vehicles create more ozone, still small amounts, but double what you might get from a petrol vehicle. But then the vast emitters you get from petrol vehicles in all the other ways is, it's far worse overall.
5: Mike, your thoughts? Yeah, yeah, but see, you're starting at the sale of the vehicle, and I'm starting at the production of the vehicle. And if you go to the production of the vehicle, the electric vehicle is much more pollutant than the. Uh, sorry, uh, what what, are, you fuel. what are you basing that on? I'm basing that on on any information that you go and start doing your oh, I'm research. Sorry, I'm looking
3: at? Yeah, this this has been debunked, but you've got to look at the, you know, most of the vehicle is the chassis, the metal, the plastic, the electrics, and they're the same whether it's electric or petrol. The difference is the engine and the battery.
1: Right. Okay, well, thank so you, you Mike. But you look
3: at the battery and how the batteries are being produced and how the engines are being produced. Yes, the batteries are using rare earth metals and other things, but battery technology is progressing at an incredible rate, getting more efficient all the time. Amount of kilometres you can do with a battery is getting quicker. The, you know, everything improving. So uh, electric vehicles also, once you start using renewables to create the blast furnaces, electric arcs, and all these other things, then you're getting into you know a better way of doing things. So things are evolving and things are moving on the s-curve so yes what some of what you're saying is true but look at what it's coming and how it's evolving into so these arguments from the p- promoted by you know the petrol industry and you know and the, and the old car industries are, are being picked apart Right, Okay. By uh, by careful
0: analysis. All right. Uh, Thank you, uh, Mike, for calling in. And if any of you are listening at home, you can uh, call us on uh, 233-88266 and ask our experts uh, any questions you want on uh, today's topic, and that's about uh, air quality. And uh, let's go to uh, Mr. Fung. What do you think of uh, what uh, caller Mike just said? I mean, uh, how much uh, do you think electric vehicles actually uh, contribute to uh, uh, the increase in uh, ozone concentration?
2: Uh, I, I think at the end of the day, we, we, we are looking at uh, multiple problems in, uh, in, you know, for, for Hong Kong, including um, uh, clean air is one, uh, decarbonisation is next, and then also the overall uh, public health and then, um, you know, uh, energy consumption, et cetera, et cetera. Because uh, this all, um, all implies uh, societal, financial health implications to um, actually every one of us. And what we are thinking of would be um, a society that rely less on motorised transport. That would be ideal uh, for a compact city like Hong Kong. Uh, we could actually try to look at how to uh, reduce our, um, uh, you know, the, the ownership and then the, the usage of uh, private vehicles. But then, uh, after all, I, I think um, Hong Kong should move for should move on towards. Uh, new energy, new energy vehicles, um, uh, including electric or hydrogen, or as as Professor mentioned, there, there's an involvement of uh, a lot of stuff. Uh, it, it's not just um, uh, one one thing that we stuck here, and then we think electric uh, because of the power generation. Uh, today we are still relying on some kind of fossil fuel. Then it is not a good option. We have to think um, uh, further. And what we are doing right now is to provide the best, for example, the infrastructure for. For uh, uh, future generations, and uh, for for that, I, I think uh, Hong Kong is heading to that direction what, what, we, uh, uh, what we wanted to do more is actually the uh, the speed of, of doing things. We want to accelerate uh, for example, transition of vehicle fleet, uh, towards new energy and then uh, more. Um, uh, investment by the government uh, on the infrastructure, for example, for uh, uh, electric uh, charging or hydrogen uh, development or even uh, LNG bunkering for marine and then a uh, study on uh, ammonia, ethanol for um, uh, marine vessels. These all would help. Uh, yeah, so they, I think this is what uh, we, we we would also have to consider.
1: Yeah, about the, the, the marine vessels, I mean... Uh Let's talk about that, Professor Parker. They, the, the the kind of fuel they use is actually uh, a lot more polluting than some of the fuel that even the petrol cars uh, and, and uh, road vehicles use. Am I correct?
3: All, uh, yes, I mean, I, uh, well, I look out from my apartment here, the Hong Kong U apartment uh, I have. We're very fortunate. I look out at Lama Island, I can see a single wind turbine and three big chimneys. And I look at the the, the boats that go backwards and forwards and sometimes I see them giving out black bilious smoke, which they should not be doing because there are regulations against that, but they still get away with it sometimes. But think of the size of a you know 20,000 tonne uh, ocean-going vessel for transporting trade. And when it does that, you know, it's like hundreds or thousands of carts equivalent over a period of time when they might be doing that. So first of all, they shouldn't be allowed to do it anywhere near, uh, you know, Hong Kong Island. It should be done in the, out at sea, even though it's still bad, of course, but it's more locally affecting people here. And so it's the scale of it. You know, one ship doing its thing can be an equivalent of many, many vehicles on on the road because of the scale of it. And so you've got to look at the far more rigorous uh, compliance. Of the, of the maritime traffic and when they're allowed to um, uh, do these uh, emissions from their, uh, you know, diesel engines and whatever they have. Diesel is terribly polluting um, uh, fuel. By right. the way, Motherton uh, petrol uh, and so you know, its regulation needs to be enforced, and people uh, do uh, report in when they see ships um, uh, giving out black smoke, <laughs> and okay. so it's important that that is controlled. It's it's really bad.
1: Okay, so we're we're talking about air pollution in Hong Kong today, and um, Professor Parker just pointed out that looking up from where Hong Kong U is, which would be looking towards the south of Hong Kong Island, he sees a lot of pollution from marine traffic. So if you're seeing that in, in, in your home or wherever you are, do call us. Our number is two double 266 Let's go back to Patrick Fung with the Clean Air Network. Uh, your thoughts on marine pollutants, Mr Fong?
2: Um Yeah, indeed, in over the past, uh, say, 10 years, Hong Kong is um, going from uh, the Asia uh, forerunner in tackling uh, marine um, uh, pollution, because uh, we we were uh, the first port in Asia to mandate fuel switch at birth at that time. But then after that, we we have um, uh, uh, we, we have not made much um, uh, improvement in trying to look at the regulatory tool to further reduce the um, marine pollution. As mentioned uh, by Professor, uh, uh, there there are still a lot of um, uh, ocean-going vessels uh, emitting uh, uh, right now. And then uh, what we fall behind other uh, um, uh, uh, comparable economies is that we we have not made, uh, for example, LNG bunkering. Uh, possible right now, we we were still we are still discussing about um, uh, uh, well uh, uh, how the legislative uh, framework could be made possible. But other cities are doing that um, right now already. So we were falling behind. But um, the good thing is that uh, Hong Kong has actually started to think about how uh, international uh, maritime center how Hong Kong put could uh, serve that role. Um, I, I think it's still not too late. Uh, we have to um, catch up really quickly on how to make um, this new energy available for uh, all kinds of um, ocean green um, uh, vessels. Uh, for example, a uh, uh, container port in Kwai uh, Chong, also the um, uh, the terminal, the uh, the cruise terminal in Kai Tak. How how are we going to upgrade that to enable um, uh, you know the, the cleaner or lower emission uh, from the ocean-going vessel, including the cruise uh, uh, cruise uh, liner? Uh, they, these are all important issues for Hong Kong.
1: Okay, um, Professor Parker, um, your thoughts about about the ocean oh, I mean, liners? Not- I mean, should we should we have some regulations on those?
2: Well, we did
3: start off as the a, a, as a, a equality expert, and, and I, I agree with everything he's been saying there. Um, he's informed about, you know, the process of the legislation, the history over time, and you know, and I think Hong Kong is kind of taking its eye off the ball a little bit. In, in you know, it thinks it's once you you introduce the legislation, okay, that's it, that's the end. No, you need to ensure compliance, Okay. and compliance is really important. Also, improvement with time because nothing stays static. Things evolve mm. and change to be reactive to
5: that.
1: Okay, we're coming up to uh, 9.30 with the news. But thank you very much, Patrick Fong, for joining us this morning, the CEO of Clean Air Network. Um, Let's have a look at the weather. It's very cold this morning. There may be icing conditions on high ground, mainly cloudy, dry during the day with a maximum temperature of about 11 degrees, moderate to fresh northerly winds, occasionally strong offshore and on high ground at first. The outlook is that it will be cold in the morning tomorrow and on Friday. Day. It'll be brighter during the day, cool in the morning and at night over the weekend. Uh, the current temperature outside is 7 degrees Celsius and the relative humidity 63%. Here's Haley with the news. Counting is underway in the New Hampshire Republican primary election. Nikki Haley is hoping the traditionally more moderate U.S. state will give her a result that allows her to continue in the presidential race against Donald Trump. U.S. media
0: has projected Mr. Trump as the winner. The Turkish parliament has ratified Sweden's bid to join NATO by an overwhelming majority in a long-delayed vote.
1: Hungary is now the sole NATO member yet to ratify Sweden's accession. And the United Nations chief says the rejection of a two-state solution to the conflict between Israel and the Palestinians by the highest levels of Israel's government is unacceptable. Antonio Guterres also called for far more aid to be delivered to Gaza, particularly in the north. I'll have more news for you at 10 o'clock.
5: Safety is paramount during major events at sea. Crew members of passenger-carrying vessels should show emergency exits and locations of life jackets and demonstrate how to wear them. Adults must ensure children aged 2 to under 12 wear suitable life jackets throughout the trip and decide if infants under 2 should wear them. Coxwains must keep a passenger and crew list and avoid overloading and speeding. Passengers should follow the instructions given by the Marine Department and the police when dispersing. One dose of cocaine can be all it takes to get
6: you hooked. You could keep sinking deeper into a quagmire. Keep buying and taking cocaine and you will become flat broke cocaine can severely damage your physical and mental health, causing psychosis unconsciousness and even impotence and brain damage cocaine drags you down, let's help those who have been dragged down to stand tall again, call 186186 or text 98186186 by WhatsApp or WeChat let's stand firm, knock drugs out
1: so welcome back to Backchat this morning we're talking about air pollution and uh Still with us is Professor Quentin Parker from the, uh, from Astrophysics, the director of Laboratory for Space Research at the University of Hong Kong, and joining us is Lung Wing Mo. he's a former Assistant director of the Hong Kong Observatory. Good morning, Mr. Lung.
0: Good morning. Good morning.
1: right, so um, air pollution now. Listeners, if you have something to uh, join, uh, add to this conversation, you can call us on 233 eight two double six. You can also uh, message us or, or email us. Um, our email is backchat at rthk.hk. So, Mr. Long, how is the weather affecting air pollution?
6: Well, it's, it's very complicated. Of course. Uh, normally, um, when you have high temperature, low relative humidity, And uh, abundant sunshine, Uh, these are the conditions that favoured ozone formation in our region. But since ozone formation is a very complicated uh, uh, photochemical reaction, it depends on a number of factors besides weather. Okay, So so most of the time, um, uh, we find that, um, in particular in Hong Kong, uh, if we have a typhoon uh, approaching Hong Kong, then not most of the time uh, it will be very hot and winds will be very light. And these are the conditions most favorable for ozone formation. So we see uh, every now and then that uh, before the typhoon actually uh, uh, came close to Hong Kong, we have very bad air quality and also the ozone concentration rises rapidly uh, during the noontime and afternoon. And stay very high until the until the, the night. Uh, but, um, conversely, if we do not have any typhoons, and particularly in summer time, uh, when we have southerly air stream, uh, that is to say, when we have the southwest monsoon. Uh, then normally uh, we don't have high ozone concentration because of the fact that um, uh, uh, winds coming from the South China Sea from over the the ocean is clean with very little pollutants. There are other factors besides uh, uh, meteorological factors uh, because we have been, I mean, the Hong Kong Observatory has been performing something what we call um, back trajectory well, we do this kind of analysis to find out which where where is the source in a larger region, uh where is the source of ozone. And we found that in springtime uh some of the ozone probably comes from uh southeastern Asian countries because they use the traditional method of agriculture where they burn uh, burn a lot of biomass. And biomass burning can produce ozone and uh, with the wind it will be carried over to Hong Kong. Uh, so, um, so it, it is, uh, this is what basically we know at the present moment.
1: Where in Southeast Asia exactly are we talking about?
6: Well, it, will, uh, it, it can be as far as uh, Indonesia. Uh, as a matter of fact, uh, the, the biomass burning over Indonesia has been causing quite a lot of air pollution problem uh, in our region not just uh, Hong Kong is far away from Indonesia but uh, uh, countries or regions most uh, suffer most uh, is probably uh, Singapore Malaysia and the neighboring countries
1: Professor Parker what what do you know about that the the air pollutants actually are coming in from other parts of the world
3: yeah I mean uh, as the uh, observatory speaker said uh, it's a very complicated picture there are local issues there are local weather issues, and there are broader uh, ge- uh, you know, ge- areas in ge- geographically around. So when Indonesia burns its rainforests, it creates high amounts of particulates and carbon dioxide and other things, and on the winds... These can move around and uh, occasionally they'll come our way and they will increase the pollution levels here. So it, you know there's multiple levels here that need to be addressed. There's what we can do locally in terms of tackling local levels of pollution. There's a GBA I mean there's 56 million people uh, over the border in the GBA and they're creating a lot of pollution and depending on whether it can come and go in our direction uh, you know and there's a broader area geographically including these Southeast Asian countries and Indonesia is you know the, the prime core uh, Cause because it's just burning so much of its forest over the years, more so than you know Vietnam and these other countries and Cambodia. So uh, these are the issues, and so there's multiple layers, multiple reasons, and uh, multiple things that humanity has to tackle here.
1: So, how, how, so, so you know we're coming up to uh, Lunar New Year, and we noticed in the past anyway, when 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 the Guangdong area full of, was full of factories, that when they when the factories rest over Chinese New Year, uh, we see noticeably bluer sky in Hong Kong. Now, um, the, the economy there is changing, you know, less manufacturing, manufacturing is very further into, uh, into the middle of the country. Has Does that make a change for us, Long Wing Mo? Does that make a change?
5: Uh,
1: I think I it's say, more actually,
3: than
6: that. Sorry.
1: sorry. Sorry, Mr. Long first, maybe?
3: No.
6: Uh, Again, this is a very complicated problem. Uh, ozone is not uh, occurring naturally. Uh, It doesn't come from a single source. Uh, But uh, we have complicated uh, uh, atmospheric photochemical reactions that involve uh, nitrogen oxides and also something what we call the volatile organic compounds. Now, uh, these uh, pollutants uh, actually come from industrial processes as well as uh, vehicles, uh, traffic, and so on. So if, um, if we stop all industrial processes during the Lunar New Year holidays, then obviously uh, the components that will uh, induce the formation of ozone is reduced. Okay? But uh, I said, it's very complicated in the sense that uh, sometimes uh, NOx, nitrogen oxides are kind of pollutant but uh, there is one kind of nitrogen oxide, which is nitric oxide, which is nitrogen with one oxygen. It is actually uh, cleaning the ozone in the atmosphere. So uh, we are, I mean, stopping all industrial uh, industrial um, activities on one hand reduce the, uh, the kind of pollutants, but on the other hand, it also reduces the sink of uh, ozone. So in a way... Uh, it enhances uh, ozone production if the weather is favorable. That's why in Hong Kong, sometimes we find that uh, in the, um, in the uh, rural area, for example, in Taomun and on, uh, whatever, we found that the ozone level is actually higher than the ozone level in the city areas. This is because uh, in, the, in the rural area, we don't have a lot of vehic- uh, vehicle emissions and uh, nitrogen oxides and so forth and so on. So um, I mean, uh, I mean uh, the, the government of Hong Kong together with the government of Guangdong and Macau is doing a three-year study about the characterization of photochemical ozone formation. Now that, uh, that is very important because up to the present moment, we are not exactly sure the, of the science behind ozone formation. So uh, I hope that uh, with the, uh, the conclusion of this, uh, study, we know much better about um, uh, what what is the cause and what kind of mitig- mitigation measures we can uh, we can we can we can implement.
0: Right, right mr Lang, you just uh mentioned uh vehicle emissions and uh before uh we before we uh took a break uh, for the news we we mentioned we talked about uh, cargo ships uh, uh pollution from cargo ships and uh, now i have a uh, message from a listener uh, anna and uh, she says uh, on the issue of air pollution pollution. she says uh, uh we should start uh the cleanup with uh, the star ferry and uh, the inter-island ferries, uh, she says uh, they were belching black smoke all day. The ferries are exempt from the cleaner fuel requirements for big cargo ships. Um, what do you think of that suggestion?
6: Uh, I am not an expert in that area, but obviously, um, uh, uh, pollutions from from uh, from ships and ferries is contributing to the air pollution problem in Hong Kong. Um, I I don't know whether we're focusing on ozone or other atmospheric um, uh, pollutants. As a matter of fact, uh, if if we're talking about atmospheric uh, or air pollution in general, well, Hong Kong is actually improving quite a lot compared with 10 years ago, even 5 years ago. Because of various measures, because of introducing a more electrical vehicles, uh, because of uh, using, uh, using uh, natural gases uh, for, 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 for taxis, for minibuses and so on. So the overall air quality is much better than um, many years ago. Uh, so, uh, I, we have to comment on the government's effort, but again, if we talk about ozone, this is a really, really uh, complicated problem. Right. So, uh, I, I don't know whether we have a very conc- concrete plan, uh, mm. concrete plan whereby we can Uh, Find out the ultimate ultimate solution for that.
1: Yeah, Professor Parker, uh, it's not as simple as just shutting down the factory. There's a three-year study, as Mr. Long pointed out uh, on on photochemicals. Uh, Your thoughts on that?
3: Look, uh, for me, the issue is holistic and it's, uh, you know, studies are important, but what is also important is action and action is required. We need to decarbonize our economy as fast as possible. We're not doing enough in Hong Kong. You know, we still have a large fraction of our public transport fleet is using fossil fuels to get around, even if they're uh, liquefied gas. Um, They're not as as friendly to the environment as the electric vehicles. Shenzhen, as I said earlier, already has an entire electric fleet for public transport. believe, since as early as 2019. Uh, So we've got to look at where all of the issues are in terms of pollution, where it's coming from. Uh, There's multiple areas where it comes from. It's not just industry. It's not just public transport. It's not just what's happening in the maritime. It's it's all sorts of reasons. It is complicated, uh, as uh, as, uh, the excellent speaker from the observatory has said. It is complicated. The science isn't exactly nailed down completely. I mean, we understand a lot about the chemistry of the way that pollution is created in various ways, including ozone. Uh, which, as I said, is extremely corrosive. Uh, so it has an impact on, on human health quite directly. It attacks the lungs straight away. And so, you know, other than these other things, particulates which get into the lungs stay there and are carcinogenic as well. So um, there's a very complicated process. But what we need is, you know, things are low-hanging fruit. What we could well, we can decarbonize, We can put uh, more solar panels everywhere, more wind generation. We can, we can, you know, get electric vehicles more and more of those, uh, especially in public transport. And so, you know, there's the various things that you can do straight away uh, while these uh, studies are going on, because it's self-evident this is what we need to do, you know. And then you can hone and and and, and tweak uh, policy as as we go, as we improve.
1: Yeah. So, so just finally, we're getting another response from a caller. People seem to be very um, keen to talk about this marine uh, pollute, pollutant problems. And so Cameron, one of our listeners, he's saying that in response to the question on Ocean Liner, he said, informatively, Hong Kong government imposed restrictions on burning heavy sulfur oil, and only very low sulfur fuel oil consumption is allowed within the harbour, uh, which should help with air quality. Uh, Professor Parker, do you know anything about that, the the, the low sulfur oil, fuel oil restrictions on marine... Vessels? Yeah, they were.
3: I think they're. The, you know, this is a regulation imposed to reduce pollution. That's pure and simple. Um, there's various grades of uh, fuel that are used in ocean-going vessels for various purposes. And when they're locally in harbour, they're meant to go to the ones that produce less direct pollution. It's just simple as that. And um, but you know what we ultimately need is, is ocean-going vessels that uh, that don't run on on these kinds of fuels. And these are being looked into a lot of research into electric versions and, and more wind coming back again and all sorts of solar even so because, you know, the industry is looking at these things, but when you've got to move 20,000 tonnes around at a time, you know, you need big, powerful engines. And at mm. the moment, that's provided through burning fossil fuels.
1: Right. Okay. Well, thank you very much for joining us this morning, Professor Parker, Professor of Astrophysics and Director of the Laboratory for Space Research at the University of Hong Kong, and also to Mr. Lung-Wing former Assistant Director of the Hong Kong Observatory.
3: The RTHK English News Service brings you the latest news throughout the day right
5: here on your radio, our homepage, Facebook, and the RTHK News app. And now we're on Instagram. Up-to-date news, videos, feature stories, and podcasts all at your fingertips. Search RTHK English News and
3: follow us right now. Catching up with the very latest local and international news just got
5: even easier. On your radio, our homepage, Facebook, the app, and now Instagram. RTHK English News. You're listening to Backchat. Call us on two double three double 266 and have your say.
1: It's now 9.45 or just after 9.45 and we're talking about scams that target mainland students in Hong Kong. And joining us in this uh, discussion is Julia Chan. Uh, She's Chief Inspector of Police and Regional Crime Prevention Officer for New Territory South. Good morning, Ms Chan. Good morning. Morning. Uh, So what are some of the most common types of scams that mainland students are coming across?
7: I would say... PowerPoint deception and e-shuffling scams are quite popular among the mainland students. As the students come to Hong Kong quite freshly and they are not familiar with our jurisdiction and culture, so when they receive calls saying putonghua and claiming that they are Chinese officials and the students may involve in criminal investigation, so they would get panicked easily and then follow the instructions to remit money or provide their personal particulars to the Springland University, so they are quite vulnerable to telephone deception. Well,
1: what and, are the, what are these phone, what are these callers telling the students in these phone calls?
7: Uh, so Springland may falsely claim that the students are involved in the criminal investigation, saying maybe their their bank accounts often in China uh, um, actually have uh, money laundering patterns. So they would like to ask the students. To um, in order to prove their innocence, they have to uh, provide surrender their bank documents or bank transactions, or even remit money in order to prove that their accounts are valid, so that the uh, they can re- they would remit the stolen properties to to the spindlers' account. Yeah.
1: Right. So, what is the police doing to prevent these students from falling into these traps? Mm.
7: So. Um, uh, actually, we can see that there are quite a lot of Hong Kong drifters, including the mainland students coming to Hong Kong. And we, the new territory itself is actually a quite popular place for them to settle down because we have some prestigious educational institutions and also we have the technology park for their development. So actually, we target on the, the Hong Kong drifters themselves and also the people around them. We want to spread the anti-deception uh, uh, messages to them in order to raise their awareness. For example, for the students, we cooperate with the universities to give uh, the talk to themselves, also to their parents and teachers, teaching staff, so that if they early identify some signs of being victimized of the students, they can also help to intervene and also guide them to seek professional advisors. And on the other hand, we also organized some interesting events on top of the traditional one-side talk. For example, in mid-October, we organized an Anti-Deception Fund Day for the university students in the JBC Pet Home. So during that food activities, they can come to have the team building games, meet friends, and also directly inter- interact with our officers so that we can answer their questions regarding deception directly and also um, make friends with them for further communication.
0: Right. Ms. Chan, you've talked about uh, how these mainland uh, students have been uh, uh, tricked in Hong Kong. Do you have any figures uh, for this year and and how does it compare with uh, maybe like previous years or before the COVID pandemic?
7: Mm -hmm. Um, I would say... um, for actually, for deception, it is a trend, a rising trend for not only Hong Kong, not only New Territory South, but also the whole, tr- whole world. For, for example, I can say for mainland students in New Territory South, actually from January to November last year, we have recorded about 45 cases involving mainland students in telephone deception cases, which account for about 35 million of loss a month.
1: I, I know New Territory South is a police district, but where exactly are we talking about? Are we talking about Sha Tin or or, or wh- Where exactly are we talking about?
7: Mm. Uh, NTS actually comprises of five police districts. Yeah, Sha Tin is one of the districts, and also we cover Chuan Wan, Kwai Ting and Lantau and also Airport. So it's quite a big region, yeah. yeah so, also, mm.
1: Mm. so any idea why New Territory South?
7: Mm. Yeah, because actually we have a few educational institutions, the, the university here, that uh, account for uh, quite a large amount of many students studying here, and also apart from the students, we have the talents of uh, technology talents and the healthcare talents also choose uh, the the companies in Antisub. So we see this group is quite is growing and also vulnerable, and so we target target them to be our anti-deception. A vulnerable group
1: for publicity. Right, okay, so we're talking about scams that target. Mainland students, or, or it's not just mainland students, as young people or, or people who come in on the talent scheme. So, if you have come across that, do call us on Backchat. Uh, our number is two double three double 266. You can email us at backchat.rthk.hk or you can message us on our Facebook page. We are talking with uh, Julia Chan, who's the Chief Inspector of Police uh, for New Territory South. So, so, Ms. Chan, New Territory South, you're saying. Saying, you know, the, the, there's a high concentration of mainland students and maybe young people who came in on the talent scheme that are unfamiliar with Hong Kong, and they're being targeted. Any idea where these scammers are?
7: Um, you say the scammers actually, actually they they may be transnational syndicate, just like a very popular movie last year. It's the the syndicate may be transnational, may not be based in Hong Kong, but we see that um, maybe there we have cases, we have arrests of the syndicate members, such as the student account holders, or they will send some people to come to uh, receive money from the victim. Uh, there are members in Hong Kong, but also it, it's not only Hong, Hong Kong matter, I think.
1: Where, where, where are we when you say transnational? Which countries are you thinking?
7: Mm, I, um, there I couldn't specifically name a few, but the just like the movie and our knowledge it it's quite quite a lot of countries also may have the working there for different parts of the deception plot. Yeah, right. they, you, may they may be call center or they 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 may be uh, fi- financial uh, money laundering, and that that means they may be separate in different different locations for different duties.
1: Can you tell me specifically about a, a case that you, you think is particularly worse of, of this type of uh,
7: scams? Yes, and I think it's a case also shared in our last Saturday event. It's telephone deception involving a 19 year old Lina student. That student actually came to Hong Kong for studies since September last year. But, unluckily, he received the the, the fraudulent call quite recently, and then, yes, he was told that he was involved in money laundering, and so he had to withdraw over two uh, two two millions of dollars to the swindler in, do- in order to prove his innocence. So during which he has very large um, psychological stress. For example, when he see that the the swindler provide him with some fake. Fact- warrants showing his particulars and then he will make money he he need to ask his friends his parents to get the money and then after around a month time and then he can be suicide because of the the large pressure so it's really a tragedy and we want to share it because it it we cannot cope with it by only the police and we all we hope all the community can also be aware and early identify and help their friends around
0: so, Ms. Chan, uh, what advice do you have for for mainland students uh, who do receive uh, such calls? I mean, by uh, like that, you, you, what you talked about earlier.
7: Yeah, I think if for specifically for telephone deception, we have a slogan for three don'ts. That is, first, don't answer any unfamiliar and familiar call and but if you listen the Serena may have many plots pretend to be officers, pretend to be uh even uh administrators. So don't believe their plots so easily and then don't remit money to them at the end. Yes. And also if they have doubts, they can be they are welcome to call our police anti deception help like one X 222 for consultation. It is um it is 24 uh, 7, we operate all the time and welcome their consultation. Sorry, what's the number again? one Yes,
1: it's
7: our police anti scam
1: helpline okay. for consultation, yes. Okay, well, thank you very much. We have a caller uh, on the line, Zoe, I believe, is on the line. Hi, Zoe. Hi. Zoe, uh, um, are you from the mainland?
4: Yes, I'm a university student studying in Hong Kong and I came from the mainland. So tell us about
1: your experience. What do you know about these uh mainland uh, the 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 scams that target mainland students?
4: Well, I haven't been scammed directly, but I do know people. I do know mainland students who were scammed before, before and uh I've I've heard about their experience. So um Usually the scammers would accuse that the mainland students are involved in some sort of crime or they've done something wrong and and make the students scared of their wrongdoings and uh, ask them to provide money to prove, prove their innocence or, uh, you know, just to prove their innocence or something else.
1: Well, what kind of scary things do they say to you or these students?
4: Oh, well, uh, things like, uh, for example, that involved in some kind of money laundering, or that they have broke some kind of law.
1: Like what kind of law? I mean, if, if if you know you're innocent, why why would you be so scared? What kind of law are you talking about? Uh,
4: I think uh, mostly it's for. Uh, bri- i I'm, I I don't North know China? much detail, but it, it probably um, breaching uh, official law, the law, or some But I it, during the COVID period, they also killed students for like uh, involved in some illegal packaging of the illegal packages crossing the border, involving in like vaccines, COVID nineteen vaccines and stuff.
0: Oh, so, so so, Zoe. What do you think uh, can be done to to help these students? I mean, uh, the police—they're saying they're providing more information. What else uh, do you think would be helpful?
4: I think the police have been really like, uh, helpful in like cooperating with universities. We have this WeChat group in HKBU where. Uh, there is the police officer in the WeChat group and when students receive some suspicious calls, they can ask the police officers directly in the WeChat group and also their peers are also in the WeChat groups, and we can help each other to identify suspicious calls or some, like, accusation that is isn't true.
1: How, how common um, uh, is it that st- mainland students are being targeted? Like, you, you said you... Have you been ever called
4: by one of these scammers uh, uh yes uh i would say quite often especially do, especially when at the start of each school year because uh like probably in december october when a new when a new group of main students just recently uh come just new came to hong kong to study and uh, that's when like the calls are most like common and uh, I have been called before, but usually I just hang up really quickly. So. How many times have you been called? Uh, I would say quite often, and quite often. Uh, yeah, quite often. Like, like how often? Once or twice a day, especially what? during. Yeah, especially during September or October. Mm-hmm.
1: all right well thank you very much Zoe for for your story that's very uh, valuable to our discussion and also thank you very much to Julia Chan Chief Inspector of Police of Regional Crime for New Territory South and also thank you very much to Janice my co-host today and of course Raphael Black, who is our producer for Back Chat we're coming up to 10 o'clock the news will be next